Conesty, how are ye? Welcome to Candle Tales podcast, and this is the post-show chat between myself and Surika, and we are recording it uh, via the Zoom uh, interface and via the uh, OBS interface and all the interfaces that are going on. I'm not really sure what's going on. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for tuning in. We'll be talking about the Goddess story that we released, and it's the Goddess series. And it's February after all, and we just had Imbaluk and Bridget's Day. And we're actually recording this, believe it or not, this postal chat on Imbaluk. And it's the last few hours of light of Imbaluk, which is basically the day as soon as it gets dark uh, on the 31st of January, as Sarah told me yesterday, um, uh, it is Imbaluk. And we're going to do a whole series of goddess stories. And well, it's all kind of thanks to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com forward slash candletales. But, um, Sorica, how are you getting on with this story of yours? How did you find creating a story out of basically kind of nothing? Because you, you, you had a different format in this one, didn't you? Yeah, it was a little bit, uh, a little bit more freeform. It was a little bit different. I kind of had a couple of different goes at it. Um, it was interesting, actually, because there was definitely a moment when I was kind of writing it and my method for, for kind of rewriting it was to record into my phone you know my phone voice notes app while I was walking along the side of quite a busy road in Tala um, because I was in as Tala. you do as you do like I was just I was there and I was like I didn't have anything to do for an hour and I was like I just swimming around in my head for a while and there was de- there was a bit where I was like now there's a there's a thing in there's a thing here there's a thing here that is not crystallizing and usually it was kind of an insight into myself as a storyteller, because usually when I have a thing that isn't quite crystallized like that, I take it to the show uncrystallized. And then when I'm in front of the audience and the music is playing, it will crystallize in the live performance. And it will always, always be better than anything I can come up with beforehand. <laughs> Good old adrenaline who's your friend. It's the adrenaline, it's the field, it's the response of the audience, it's the music, it's the inspiration, it's the being in the moment, it's the being grounded and being fluid. It's like, it, and, and and it's kind of also like, this is, our, this is our, our, our frequent tug of war about, you know, to rehearse or not to rehearse. But the, it's also like why I, uh, why I am against rehearsing a lot of the time, because I find you will never get something so good as when it's spontaneous on stage, when it's live. You'll never get. So anyway, that was kind of that was a moment where I, I just found myself really missing uh, performance and really missing the live shows. Yes, so I feel I, like I, I, I feel like, it, like, you know, this content so well, like and that's just uh, sorry to cut across you. But the the idea of now I won't get into the, the, the conversation, but the idea of building up a repertoire of information and. I guess this story is kind of joining so many fragmented pieces of a puzzle that's been scattered to the four winds that it's knowing as much as you can kind of know about it and then artistically coming in to to weave it together into some form of flowing narrative. Mm. And when you don't have that inspiration and kind of live performance kind of hit, yeah, it doesn't quite crystallize. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like I, I'll... Um... This is probably some that some a piece that I would come back to in the future uh, when we're able to do gigs again, um, which is not to say that I'm not like, you know, it's 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 this is the old self criticism bit where you're like it's grand, like it'll do. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no, 
I thought it was beautiful because again, it's it's one of those things of what do we really know about Danu and the goddess mm. Danu, and you know, and we we started this you know month thinking okay we'll do and we've done Bridget stories we've done Bridget goddess stories cloak stories and and there's a good few of them up on on uh, YouTube now go and subscribe to the channel if you want to check out oh man watching the sugar club gig uh, that we recorded live a little camera stuck on it looks like you're in the audience as well watching mm. the show and with some amazing musicians from that night and it's up on YouTube now um because it was a year ago and it was our last big live show before we weren't allowed to do any live shows every now and uh yeah but like the we we were thinking what will we kind of do this as our first one and the idea of okay well you know you decided to toss and turn doing a danu story doing a a, a mother of all so it became kind of something that i didn't expect which was the a tribute to the forgotten goddesses of of all that are as old as the hills as old as yeah. the rivers as old as the water waters of the world themselves and are there ever present and yet it's just linked and, through a something ethereal and you know what i think it's probably it's probably appropriate that it didn't quite crystallize because there was definitely the other thing that i really didn't want to do was concretize it too much because i think that's like Is that a word yeah concretize it's when you make something concrete it should be abstract <laughs> Or concretize. concretize. I, didn't, I didn't I didn't want to concretize it too much. I didn't want to <laughs> stop concretizing it. Sorry. Exactly. Um <laughs> gotta use that a few more times. Do, do, do you want to wish that I can <laughs> concretizing I didn't my silence? Want to solidify it too much, Aaron. <laughs> because that kind of annoys me. I, I often find if I'm reading books of mythology and they're like, Danu was this, I'm always like, you don't fucking know that. You made that up and you are telling people that as if it's a thing mm. um, because we don't know anything about her. We don't know anything about her. She is a big blank in the shape of a river. So I and, and that's the case for a lot of the goddesses and a lot of the kind of tellings that we do are fairly intuitively kind of woven together between different aspects that we've found and different things that we've come across um and like i i didn't want to be too definitive about any of it uh so it was a kind of an interesting line to thread between being able to say something because i also think it's important to say something about these forgotten goddesses it's important to be able to say like this is what I feel about them and this is what I think about them and this is where my intuition leads me as I'm thinking about them and as I'm kind of working with them creatively and kind of being very declarative like this is who they were and this is what they did um so like all the stuff about Banba and and Fola and Eru and like the um like the 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 different kind of sorry the names of Ireland and the different is that what yeah you're the, the different attributes the different kind of personalities that we gave them that right. was stuff that came out of the work we did with the with the girls in direct provision uh, for this land like sure you remember when we kind of and that was like us going okay they were married to the son of the wood the son of the plow and the son of the sun what do, what do those concepts mean to us and it's always like it's always that thing of you know, because the way it kind of shook out for us was that we had a goddess of the wild and we had a goddess of the civilization. And then we had a kind of goddess above all, a goddess of the heavens. And that was kind of where it it landed in in some of those sessions. And so I kind of kept that and went with that um, 
because they're married to who they're married to, Magul Makekta Magrinya. But like what those concepts mean to us versus what they meant to our ancestors, we can't really say. Like, you know, I think it's kind of pulling from inspiration of other stories that we know, like that Fianna story where Ireland is divided into the tame and the wild and only the yeah. one who would choose the wild would be in the Fianna. So yeah, there's definitely kind of like, there, there are these concepts of like civilization and wildness and they, they both kind of existing on the land and some people prefer one and some people prefer the other. So it kind of made sense to me that Banbo would be a goddess of the wild and Fola would be a goddess of the tame and the civilized. And like, those characteristics then those personalities are, are very much based on my associations with those things as somebody who lives in the modern world but i don't know if that's how they operate but that but that's again how mythology gets recreated every generation every kind of century whatever like as the stories get retold for new listeners the concepts change and automatically our perce- perception of the world will alter and have altered Absolutely. and as a, as a result these mythologies will mean something more whether they meant something exceptionally more than, than they are, are, do now is impossible to tell because it was once upon mm. a forgotten time you know um, totally and it's just kind of it is that thing of that's why I don't that's why I don't like um, being too definitive about it because I think I, I feel like that kind of closes it down and one of the things that I wanted to kind of get into in this story was you know maybe it's a good thing that the goddess is not tied to form because we've had a lot of problems in the world by tying god to form and saying god is this thing and he's nothing else and if you don't believe in what i think he is then you're you're bad and not a person oh we've had like you know there's something about the fact that the goddess is you know i don't like that was kind of where I went with it then as well of like maybe that's not a bad thing maybe it's kind of a good thing that they're a little bit fluid and they're a little bit loose and they're a little bit less tied down by I'm absolutely one thing or absolutely another thing and I think you see that in the, in the Celtic goddesses too like the triplings um, in a lot of them like in Bridget and in the Morrigan and possibly in Danu herself and Speaking that whole of- kind of maiden mother crone thing we're speaking of Danu, like I think you made like to to put your ego at, at ease. I think you did a beautiful job of stylistically kind of having something quite, quite you know, it, it basically mirrors the uh, impossibility of putting a story together that is con- concretizing it, <laughs> um, because it's impossible. Like it, it's so fragmented. All of those very old stories from the mythological cycle are kind of fragmented anyway, and we have various attempts of putting putting them back together, but. Danu was mentioned in the one sentence uh, in the Lower Gawala, written in the 12th century, as far as I can find out. And she's just called the Mother Goddess. And as a result, there have been a number of authors who have kind of made her the mother of all of the Tua de Danin and the kind of the mother goddess who slept with Dagda, who's known as the father god, and kind of put two and two together and came up with that equation. And it's, it's but the actual what we know about her again, as you allude to in the story itself, her is completely. Was she? Is she the same goddess as the Danube is named after? Is she? Yeah. Could have been, Probably. I guess. The you know the Celts came from, uh, from Europe. Celts came from Europe. Like uh, it's, it's like it, that's one of the that's one of the fascinating things about about Danube is that like there are name there are rivers and the Danube is just the biggest one. But there are rivers and streams throughout Europe that that have that name as its root. 
and it's all traced to her Danu or Anu. And there are various different kind of, you know, remnants of her in folklore around the place. And that, probably the strongest one is, is in the Irish of the two of the Dan, uh, hmm. the people of the goddess Anu. Um, but like there, and she's around, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. And yet, like, as you say, completely forgotten, like, this, this is one of the things that we often talk about, or I find myself often talking about, you know, the idea of, of being in a, in, in a ruptured tradition, you know, we had, um, cause you, you've had a lot of that in, in Europe throughout the, the centuries. It has been a very war-torn continent for a very long time, uh, up until World War II. In fact, and that was the, the point of the EU was, was to stop because previous centuries to that Europe has been continually at war with itself for you know centuries and centuries and centuries and like going right back to the Romans at war with the Celts and driving them back and back and back to Ireland and and Scotland and the kind of edges of Europe um and there was a sure. certain amount of Christian Christianizing influence then as well like of of you know doing battle with the gods but like it's 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 all Ruptured. I mean, it's ruptured and it's so funny to compare it again to kind of Greek myth where like gay, gay or Gaia is the the mother goddess who, you know, kind of gave birth to uh, the first kind of whatever order. And then the second order came out of that and the Gaia kind of went into obscurity. It was always there. Everything was kind of paid homage to her, but she uh, was, you know, Mother Earth, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of Gaia is supposed to represent in, in Greek mythology. And and so you have this kind of this idea of like the great mother or in so many cultures, the great mother, the mother tree in in some African stories, the tree of life and and whether it's some form of mating with some form of other god uh giving birth to others there's this kind of like separation the oldness of a an, an old being that gave birth and brought forth life is as old as the hills maybe it's the hills herself you know it's mm-hmm. that kind of idea of like of course we can't remember it because you know the paps of danu are down in Kerry, like literally <laughs> was, was that what you were thinking yeah like <laughs> She might be the land her her titties sure are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are hills in Ireland that are called Danu's tits. Uh, that's that's their name, the Paps of Danu. <laughs> I think it sounds a bit as nicer as Quaylga, but anyway. I mean, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. There's also like a very strange and like potentially like we we talked about this before of like you're not really sure, being sure about it like or whether you'd like. Uh, whether you like this version of it but in um, uh, Ireland's Immortals by Mark Williams uh, a history of gods and Irish myth he he said something that kind of I was like oh right that's interesting he, he, according to him anyway um, he claimed that uh, the godlike people uh, the fear day um, was what it would have been in, in Irish uh, were, were what the fae were called or the fairies of the Tua de Danon mm-hmm. uh, before they ha- were called the Tua de Danon but then when uh, Christianity came to Ireland and uh, the people of God uh, were also the fear day uh, and so you couldn't have the two kind of so you had to separate it this is, and you had to, this is like why, why Irish people call black people blue 
because we already had a black man. That was the name of the devil. And so when when we met people with actual like dark skin, we were like, OK, you can be blue because, um, you know, black, black means refers to the hair. So, yeah, we had to do a linguistic jump of the people of the goddess to to separate them and distinguish them from the people of God being, I guess, the Christians or the angels. I'm not sure what the guys that came with Christianity, you know, the, you know, the men of uh, God. The men of God. Which must have been super confusing, by the way, for Very. like early Christians coming into Ireland being like, hi, I'm one of the men of God. And everyone going, get back under your hill. No, you're not. You're not seven feet tall and shining and beautiful with golden sandals. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> and, and then, but then again, one of um, Mark Williams' ideas is like to belittle and put them under the hill and put them down and call them the little people and the wee folk and to kind of make them not as important as they seem to have been for so very long and to, you know, convert the kings first because you got to get the kings on side and then the people people to follow, get the kings on side of Christianity and start calling the old gods little people um, mm-hmm. to in order to reduce their status and call start calling them the people of, the, of a goddess, an obscure name. That, and she has no other mention. Danny, that is. So I, I th- that just rang a bell of like, fuck, that's a really good explanation. I, I've not come across a better one mm. than that. Or uh, and I, 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 again, there's no right and wrong with these things. There's no that's it or yeah. that's not it. I mean, uh, it's, but I do like it. <laughs> it's an interesting theory. Um, but it's a theory, yeah, of course. It's an interesting theory. Uh, the reason that I don't follow it in the naming is because I think there is like in order to to change their name back to the fur day as a way of exalting them is to buy into the idea that women are less than men which is part of the idea that led them to be in in this theory renamed to the two did Allen in the first place and so that's why I'm like cool I don't care <laughs> do you know what I mean like I'm not going to start calling them the fur day now I'm I'm not because to do that I think you have to accept that framework, whether it's true or not that that's what happened. Um, it you you've got you've got to say yes, you're correct that being a goddess, being people of the goddess, is a demotion, and therefore, in order to um, get them back to their true status, we we need to get them back on the on the on the masculine side. And I I'm just like nah, fuck that. They can they can say the people of the goddess to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, again, that's, that's that's where I'm. That's where that's where that lands with me, sure. and that's why I've always been like, sure, like cool, <laughs> but it's funny that would have never occurred to me. But of course, my sensibilities have not been uh, primed to, to react to uh, stimulus. I would, you know, yeah, you you uh, you have not. Um, you have not been primed to react to sexism implicit or explicit because yeah. you have not lived as a woman in the world. So it's, it's I'm a dude. totally it's, fucking understandable. But yeah, that's my kind of thing with it is like, yeah, all right. Like, um, I don't agree with I don't agree with that framework. Um, it, yeah. I'm not saying he's wrong. Uh, I'm absolutely not saying that he's wrong or that I would have anywhere like the scholarly knowledge to even start debating any of that. Uh, I'm just saying like... My God, instincts is fuck you. Um, no, it's not, not even <laughs> fuck you. Just like that's uh, like that may well be true, but right. I'm still not going to change to change their name in, in the way that I tell the stories. Like I didn't, I never, I've never referred to them as the fair day um, because like I said, that would, that would be accepting that goddess is a step down. 
it's and almost, I don't. It's almost kind of like where our brother lives in Guatemala. All of the beautiful coloured um, clothes of the Guatemalan women and the and the and the tribes that they're all beautiful, amazing, and like that. But apparently, you know, that was the slave uniform. Yeah. And that was they that was imposed. It. Uh, it was imposed by the Spaniards so that the indigenous Guatemalans could not leave their own villages. But it has been reclaimed by the indigenous Guatemalans as their as their like you know their their clothes their traditional clothing and they they weave it and they wear it. Yeah, yeah, and it is that reclaiming of that power because I guess one of the reasons I I, I did enjoy and I, I in live shows I started calling them the fear day for a while because I was like why, why am I doing the fucking two of the Dan and thing what's that about because I, I what I found it did was it 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 went along the lines of the little people, the good folk, the, ah, sure, we can't, can't, we'd be afraid of the, the fae now, they'll come in and play a trick in you. And you're like, hang on, how the fuck, how did that happen when these mm. huge, amazing, brilliant men and women of God, with godlike power, with shining uh, white skin and, you know, emerald eyes and uh, blonde hair and tall and elegant and sharp and deadly, how do they become little? How do they become wee? You know, fuck that. Um, <laughs> they're fierce as fuck, yeah. like, and they're scary. Yeah, yeah. oh, totally. You know, so. And like, I, I get, I get the reclamation, but you know, that's that's you got mm. you got to buy into the 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 idea that it is a it is part of the diminution is calling them people of the goddess. Um, and you know, again, it, it's it's the month to be paying tribute to the goddesses because Bridget. Mm. Again, has so much associated with with Danu herself, you know, like or or how or how we can try and piece that together, you know, um, if, if we can, because you know, Bridget is called the, uh, as you talked about last week, the, um, uh, the the Irish Mary of the Gale, Mary, the Mary yeah, of the Gale, yeah, yeah. damn it. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, with that, she has that huge status in, in Irish mm. folk tales and myths and religion. And and so she's up there. And and even when I was researching Knock Anya, which was, it is a hill in Limerick uh, for the last story of the Goddess series, you know, we have the this woman who is has a, a place where people will go and pray and ask for help with crops and 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 love and relationships and and all of this and this association with her but a, a lot of the texts that i found were like confused was it anya or was it anu or and was it danu you know was it an older older god because there's is, always yeah there's always there's always those little etymological lines where you're like wait a minute and i think that's kind of the interesting thing about like you know that's that's why we decided to go with this story i guess is the kind of setup and that was kind of where i was going with it as well it was like this is a this is a kind of a way of setting up the fluidity of the other stories um and the kind of those little uncertainties and those little doubts of like they're there they're not there they're alive they're dead they're on the waves they're on the ninth wave uh, in next week's one which is like which one is the ninth one you can't tell you know yeah. the first one you have to have it stop having waves for a second we'll, we'll get to that joke next week uh, we will um. um yeah no we'll get to that joke we we had to skip the 17 different jokes about the pats the paps of danu that came into my head as we were talking about it that briefly because i was like this is not the time <laughs> it was one of them what's the what's the paps of danu joke well like i mean i'm just it's just i'm just sitting here going jesus christ what is that a fucking triple z cup like how would you even begin and you're never going to get a shirt to button over them lads <laughs> for fuck's sake uh 
et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I see where your mind went. <laughs> you see, where, you see right. where my mind went. I was like, you know, her back must really hurt. No wonder she's lying down. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking like, Jesus, you know, listen, they're great. Uh, that, that's whatever I think of uh, any breasts that go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just, as, I'm stunned into silence. As a, as a haver of tig old biddies, um, they come with their own set of problems. And, and so I was just having a little moment of like empathy with the goddess, like mountain sized, mountain sized. That's literally a lot. Mountain sized. It'll be really tricky to get any clothes that fit you. <laughs> oh my God. Forget so about those like built in sports bra tops. I'm going to so stop now. I'm going to stop. Now. You're done. We're done. done. Um, <laughs> I, I opened the plug. It was my fault. You, that's on you, buddy. It's that's on, on me. you. So come here. I, 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 before we wrap up on, on, on this particular story, I kind of want to see you know, an awful lot of our language, an awful lot of our customs, an awful lot of our beliefs in Ireland were uh, banned by the British. Uh, they were, we weren't allowed to speak our language, we weren't allowed to uh, gather, we weren't allowed to go to the sacred um, pagan sites. And, you know, there's, there's an awful lot that was lost. And there's a huge and, amount of those stories, of course, that was lost as well. There was, and, there was also, you know, the first banning was, was not... By the British, there was there was a church first that banned the paganism, and then there was a there was a colonial army that banned the Catholicism. So that was very bound up with the paganism. So we 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 you know we've talked about that. We we kind of have two schisms in Ireland. If you like. Sure, sure, um, and you know, but you constantly whether whether it's a schism or a schism or a, a chasm, and um, there's a few fucking things where people get lost down and cultural cultural chasms uh, or whatever. Uh, we've gotten an awful lot lost. My question is, how much of that was directly on purpose, and how much of that was directly to eradicate females from the stories, like? specifically taking okay there's Dana we'll take him out but Lou can stay okay there's uh the Morrigan she can stay ish because we can't get river but um you know the Dagda he can stay uh like so that's where I'm like so much so much I mean it's 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 one of those frustrating ones because um like I remember the first time I heard somebody say it was probably Richard Marsh because it's usually Richard that we get some of the good stuff from when he's when he's telling us things, um, you know, saying that that from the way that she is spoken of, Cucullin's trainer, Scott, definitely had an epic about her. Like there was a story of Scott at some point, you know, that from the way they describe the way they describe her, the way they talk about her. She had her own epic that was probably as substantial as the ton. And like, did somebody write that down and then somebody else burnt that book because you can't have women running around fighting topless? Did somebody hear that story and not write it down? Were they still telling that story at the time that writing was in Ireland or had they stopped or in Scotland and had they stopped? Um, And we don't know. We don't know like how much of this was like there was definitely there was definitely a move of some degrees towards like more of a patriarchal culture more of a kind of an oppression of women culture in Ireland but we don't we don't really know where it started and like I know there are some people who are like look Anu 
Morrigan, Bridget, Ireland was once a matriarchal culture. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> like, there's certainly a lot. And like, you know, there's certainly a lot of significant characters in Irish mythology that are women. You get a lot of like half of the druids in the stories are women. Um, be rogue of the mountain and people like this who can just fucking call up storms and float babies on waves. Um, and like half of the, you know, a, a bunch of warriors are women. All of the great heroes are trained by women, which you don't like. And actually, one of the things that I remember really striking me um, was when we were looking at when uh, I was I was doing a thing with the bard looking at the, the king stories. Um, that all of the mothers of the kings were given as much attention as the fathers of the kings. And I was like, I'm not used to seeing that in mythology. Usually in mythology, it's all about the dad. Usually like, you know, you've got a special dad and then you've got some lady uh, who's right. pretty, you know what yeah. I mean? And like, fuck, she's not really given any attention except maybe her father like locks her away because he doesn't want people like stealing her like a thing. Um, but there's kind of a little bit more um, focus given to women. But then at the same time, this is also a country where, you know, the Breton law, which we've talked about before, um, the base unit of currency for a fine was a kummel, which is a word for a female slave. So like <laughs> you paid in, you know, cattle or slaves worth X number of kummels. That was how your fine was calculated. So like to say that this was an egalitarian culture is just like straight up wrong. Well, it was an incredibly stratified for sure, saying there was a potentially or saying it was a matriarchal society doesn't equate to saying that it was egalitarian. That's the fucking that's the point. Absolutely. 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 And like maybe maybe that is an indicator that it was a bit more matriarchal because maybe they named, you know, females. But like the Brehan laws that we have that are that are that were actually recorded do have like there. It, it's incredibly stratified. It, it shows an incredibly stratified culture um, and like. It, to um, I lost my ability to speak there for a second but like a crime done against a man and a crime done against a woman of the same status the fine would be higher to pay the man than it would be to pay the woman so there's like they're explicit women are explicitly of lesser status than men uh, in the Brehan laws but like it's kind of remembered as <laughs> compared to the rest of Europe at the time Irish women had an incredible degree of freedom. Incredible. Like this was a time in Europe where women were belongings. You were belong, you belonged to your father and then you belonged to your husband. And the women who managed to achieve any kind of power usually did it after their husbands died um, or if they had enough wealth to be able to kind of get around the, the rules. Um, and there were several of them there were several women doing important things in Europe in medi in medieval times although we often don't hear about them in history either and that's that's something that you know various projects these days are trying to recover um so yeah like it's a little bit like compared to the zero rights that that people had that women had in the rest of Europe Irish women had some rights and some of them were pretty good we could get divorced uh we could own our own property so you didn't like combine your resources when you got married, which is why Maeve and Ali are able to have the pillow talk comparing wealth because their wealth is not shared because they keep it. 
Um, but then at the same time, you know, they're they're explicitly not equal to men in in legal text. So it's it's very unanswerable. I think it's I think it is important for people to be able to imagine a society that is either matriarchal or egalitarian. Like there are so few matriarchies still extant in the world. I think there's only two uh, proper full on matriarchal cultures. And like, what are they? Um, there's one in Africa, and there's one in Asia, and that's all I can fucking tell you at the moment. But I will try and look them up and actually give you the names of these tribes. They're they're tribal cultures that are that are matriarchal. Like women are in charge, women run things, and like men have less rights. And men do not do well in those cultures. They have higher rates of depression than the women do. Uh, to a similar proportion to the way women have higher rates of men, depression in this men, culture than men. What? Men have higher rates of what? Men still have higher rates of depression. Men still have extremely high rates of depression in this culture. Um, but yeah, no, like, they like it's not basically my point being it is not, it's not good. It's not a good system. It's not a better system any to have one on top than the other. Any imbalance is not great. And what the conversation about like the matriarchy earlier is like just because it would mean the matriarchy in that time would still meant women were getting sold as slaves because any woman in charge might mistreat a woman just as equally as a man in charge will, will mistreat a man. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. patriarchy doesn't mean men aren't mistreated. In fact, it can mean men are mistreated worse. Even fucking, yeah. So I think it's it's bringing into this idea of uh, conceptualizing that uh, the the egalitarian point of view that we're aiming for at the moment, we're in, at least envisaging it in mm. some cultures, <laughs> some areas of, of our culture. And I think my final question is, how do we make this celebration of the goddess, uh, this month of this, of this celebration of the goddess Bridget and the goddess Danu and all of the rest of them that we're talking about, how do we make this not a celebration of just women? How do we make it a, a uh, celebration well, that no, 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 no? I mean, like a celebration that both sexes can can get involved in. You know, that's kind yeah. of where that's what I'm because you because when you say it's a, you know, a goddess story and then oh, like women and warriors last year in the Sugar Club, a little fucking it was a good few men there, but like the, largely women mm-hmm. came to the show. When we say it's women and warriors or, or uh, whatever show that we do huge groups of women come out yeah. now probably because they're fucking sick shit of like, not getting represented and yeah. fair enough i mean that's that's part it's of also it cowing down and a, and a kind of a a men's reaction of going right, well, there's, i think there's two things at work i think there's one of the things is the kind of ghettoization of media and um consumption of of things that has been like largely marketing driven that has very much gendered products and and TV shows and and like films and things to because what they learned in the 1980s was the girls will watch shows with with boys starring them in them but boys will not watch shows where girls are the stars and therefore we had about two decades of like just no fucking media for girls uh, unless it was like special interests media for girls like girls need superheroes too so we'll have She-Ra and it'll be great you know that kind of shit um, sorry, not to not that not to be down on She-Ra. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's just like that was the eighties cartoons that I was growing up on. Um, like I have a lot of you know, angry She-Ra fans. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm sure it's great, um, but like, yeah, that's part of it. Is that you have a whole lot of men who are not used to consuming 
media that is aimed at women. And that's, that's, that is, I'm sorry, fucking rooted in misogyny. It's not, I'm not saying you're a bad person. If you have some unworked out misogyny in your brain, it is in the water and it is in the air. And unless you're actively fucking working against it, it's in there. It's in me too. It's in all of us. You know, it, that is the water we're swimming in. It's super fucking misogynistic. So a lot of guys will see stuff that is titled for women and go, therefore, that's not for me. And like, that's partly for guys, I think, to that's that's kind of your job to to work on that a little bit and go, OK, I have had it all my own way for a very long time. And, and maybe I need to, like, open up a little bit. And also, I think, like, one of the big things that I will, you know, clarify uh, if ever we're talking about, like, the divine masculine or the divine feminine or like feminine energy or masculine energy is that like all of us have both of those things. Um, you know, the the idea that men cannot worship a goddess or women cannot is, is like saying women cannot worship a god is nonsensical. And I think it's part of like, I think a lot of men that I know who are interested in kind of shamanism and paganism, it's massively healing for them to get into uh, this kind of feminine side. Now, I'm also not the best person to speak to about uh, or to speak on what men need to do in order to feel welcome in goddess spaces because my visceral reaction is they need to get the fuck over themselves, which is not very helpful <laughs> and nope. probably not very welcoming. But nope. like that's that's kind of that's that's usually my my reaction is like, listen, fucking shut up and listen to it. It'd be good for you. <laughs> Eat your vegetables. <laughs> Yeah, it's an each of It's a little bit like just, that. Just choke it down. Just, just choke it down. Yeah. I you mean, might feel no one, something. No one wants to be told that about broccoli. Um says a massive lover of broccoli. I know broccoli um, is delicious. <laughs> I'll eat it raw as long as I have something wet to dip it in. Um Ew. that sounded the Aaron, that sounded like 17 pounds wrong. I'm sorry. That was just I meant, no. I meant like a hummus. No, no, you know, stop talking about or, anyway. stop talking um, about dips. <laughs> <laughs> how do we how do I jump here? Uh okay, so look, I, I I'm I'm pretty happy with uh just, just what do you think there. we can do to make men feel more welcome in our goddess series, Aaron? As a man um, who's telling stories about goddesses for the month, what did you do to feel more uh, comfortable with it? I, okay, so I certainly had to sit with uh, this idea that I have unchecked biases that have made me more used to uh, accepting sexism in my daily and I had to sit with that for a while because I wasn't very happy with it. I didn't I didn't want to accept it. I was like, I'm not fucking sexist. Leave me alone. So uh, then I kind of had to kind of sit with that for a while. Um, so that's always good to check check in on. Uh, I talked to a lot of um, to a lot of women, uh, female performers, uh, female writers. Um, most of them I went out with at the time for, for a brief period. Um, so ah, that, yes. I remember. I remember Slutty Aaron. <laughs> Brief <laughs> period. whole thing. <laughs> I was how I got to know the Divine Feminine, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is I didn't want to answer this question. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I saw how easy it was for me to um, get by uh, without uh, getting shouted at a, at a street 
uh, without get, walking down the street. I would not, I wouldn't have to worry what I'm wearing. Uh, I would compare my attitude of walking home late at night versus friends of mine who would absolutely have to get a taxi because just for the fact that they're they're a woman. Um, and I would I would check myself on reactions to feminist speech, which really fucking got my back up for a long time because I found it very exclusionary. I found it very um, uh, angry and, uh, you know, pushing men away, which I thought was, uh, you know, there's a whole other discussion to have about that. But then I had to check that and ask myself, what is it about that anger that I'm not comfortable with? And the more I encourage myself to be creative, uh, open-hearted, uh, loving, empathetic, I think they're virtues that associate themselves with what I understand is the kind of divine feminine energy. Uh, kind of the divine masculine energy seems to be that, uh, you know, that Ashtanga yoga style, that like, you know, hard, stern, drive, go, make the plan, do the thing, build a house, dig, guttural, cook, rah, um, that energy I can see in myself too. And I, I love when it grips me and takes me. And the softer, more fluid energies, when it, they arise, I like to acknowledge them as, ah, this is kind of a female thing here. Not that I'm any less masculine in that. Uh, I, and I feel m more balanced in doing that. Um, and I tell stories that have, have very much uh, eradicated m women or uh, only told their story through the lens of a, of a man. Uh, and I've gone, why is that? Oh, it's actually a fucking better story if you make it from the woman's perspective. Thanks, Lady Gregory. We'll be talking to you about cleaning next week. Um, you fucking tools. Um, I have a few issues with her, but again, that's why I, I have issues with her for making a kind of a sexist view of a story eradicating a woman, which is, you know, this is why I don't fall down on on blaming men for patriarchy or blaming women for fem. fem uh, I, I think that's one of the greatest misunderstandings of feminist discourse is that people hear the word patriarchy and it th they think it means men. And so when feminists say we're angry at the patriarchy, a lot of people hear we're angry at men. And it's like, that's not, that's not what anybody's saying. Patriarchy sure. is a system that everybody is part of and involved in and replicating unconsciously all the fucking time. Um, sure. And the like men's pain within that structure is is often uh, glossed over and not looked at, which is one of those things is like, oh, hang on, like men and women suffer sometimes not equally, but sometimes fucking balanced in, in way, you know, we can say the whatever whatever about it but uh, you can take numerous examples and, and, and show how women suffer more than men or you can highlight other examples and show how men I think it's, more in war I think the the oppression Olympics is never very productive because everyone just gets into it's their not. own victimhood and, and saying well yeah well this happened to me and it's like oh yeah but that's not actually moving the discussion on not, at all that's, yeah and that's why I'm not interested in, in having those examples thrown around because I think it is important to go okay it's not it's not a system that's done any any gender very good um mm. And I think, yeah, how I've certainly come to uh, celebrating uh, Bridget on Imbolig was saying thank you, mother, and swimming into very cold water and feeling like I was back in the womb. And Imbolig means in the womb. And that idea of 
being completely surrounded by water, something completely nature and completely connected to uh, a, a more divine power than I can ever manifest myself without some force of nature completely viscerally taking over my body and just floating and being held and being held in that space that uh, I felt like I, I, I did today. And I kind of bowed my hat and thanked uh, Bridget, Anu and all the ones before for helping me be where I am today. Awesome. That was a beautiful answer. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting that. I was expecting you to be like, I'm sure I just breathe a few times and listen to it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that illuminates. <laughs> it's, 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 a lot, it's a lot easier to say uh, than to do. The, the, the getting over ourselves is, is, a, is a process of years sometimes. Oh, and it's ongoing hard. for all of us. Um, anyway, listen, I think we're, we're probably... Um, <sighs> yeah. I think we're probably talked out about the goddesses. We will be back next week with another goddess story told by Aaron, which is Tun Clean, Clean as Wave. And we will be chatting about that uh, following Sunday. And then we'll have Sive, and then we'll have Knockonia. And then at the end of the month, we'll have a live stream and we will hopefully have a special guest that we'll be able to announce soon. We will indeed. And uh, it was also uh, just gone by, if you're listening to this, of a Sunday or uh, afterwards. uh, The first week of February was Children's Mental Health uh, Week. And I know an awful lot of our listeners have kids at home and I've been having a tough time because uh, you're trying to homeschool and no one got taught how to do that. Uh, so never mind parents' mental health. It's mental health week for kids, which I think was just a beautiful thing. And we will have shared a few things. <laughs> We're recording this in the past, so oh I'm my god, what is time? Uh, yeah, it's time, lockdown. Time is soup. Uh, uh, so in the soup of time I'm hopefully going to be releasing or will have released a few things on social media about it oh man that's hard to talk about um, uh, and hopefully your kids mental health is grand ask them talk to them like an adult uh, see if they're okay see if they're you know random. don't say don't go up to random kids and ask them that, all right, that, that's going to scare them uh, especially in lockdown but uh, I think it's good to actually associate a week or give a week over to uh, kids mental health because that's really important too and uh, I, you know we're all a bit mental but uh maybe check in yeah. and maybe tell them a story that always worked for me God, it's a good thing to do it used to keep them very happy on long car rides <laughs> all right that was that was a talk that was a talk all right nice one nice one slow on. <laughs>